All righty. The Tea Podcast. Today we have uh, Colette Barnard. She is a artist and accessories designer. She, um, her and I met a while back, probably late 2019. She was painting a mural downtown and I was walking downtown with some food that I was handing out to people that looked like they could use some food, whether that be somebody that was working or somebody that was down on their luck. And I was just handing out food, and I came across Colette painting, and I said, she looks like she's probably hungry and probably needing some food. So um, she took my offering, and we've been cool ever since, and it's been really neat to see her uh explode with what she's doing so we're going to be talking with her about all things art the local art scene and her business that is blowing up you're going to want to stay tuned so uh yeah stick around all righty so we are we're live. Awesome. Okay. So, everybody, uh, this is Colette Bernard. Colette, how's it going? I, I, I'm so happy to be here. You've got such an awesome setup in here. I'm, I'm, this is awesome compared to, you know, most podcast setups that I've seen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that. I'm trying. Uh, it's, it's being built piece by piece. So, I literally had uh, just an iPad and a phone at one point, and the mic was my iPad, and it was sitting on the table, and every time somebody would bump the table you would hear the the bump I through the audio I can already hear it in my head yes absolutely yeah. and it was annoying and so i said i need a, um, a dedicated mic so i bought like a one of those usb blue yeti mics or whatever uh and it was great and then i had one one point i had four different people in the room and that one mic was just not, not picking it. everybody no. up and so i and expanded to some more mics some individual dedicated mics and then some lights and some more lights and a soundboard all that good stuff but this is not about the tea podcast. <laughs> this is about you. So I know that you are from Lafayette, but kind of tell people a little bit about you. Um, why why are you here in Lafayette right now? Obviously, we'll, we'll dive into the, the story, but um, yeah, just tell us a little bit about you. Yeah. So hi, my name is Colette. I am an artist and Entrepreneur, I like to say. <laughs> An entrepreneur. I entrepreneur. Like that. Uh, I was born and raised in Lafayette. Um, I was in New Iberia for the first 12 years of my life. Then I moved to Lafayette in middle school, high school. And I got a scholarship to Pratt Institute in New York City. It's an art school. And I studied sculpture there. And I, you know, like most college kids, especially in art school, I had no idea what the hell I was going <laughs> to... Can I curse? Is that... Oh, yeah? you're good. You're okay, good. sorry. I am I have a bit of a potty mouth. Um, but I, ha I, I had no idea what the hell I was going to do and how I was going to make it work and everything, you know. But I was like, I know that I want to be an artist and I, I don't know how I'm going to make it happen. But the first step is at least becoming a professional, you know. Yeah. And my time in New York set me up for that level of professionalism and the hustle, the grind set, you know, and, um, long story short, you know, we can get into the, we can get into the nitty gritty if you want to, but, uh, about a year ago I said, I want to go home and be the change I wish to see in Lafayette's art scene. And, you know, 
create something beyond like New York doesn't need me, you know? Yeah. And not to say like, oh, Lafayette needs me, but that I just want to be the change I wish yeah. to see. And that you're not York trying is, to say you're being the savior of Lafayette. Right. Literally, <laughs> literally. It's more that there's so much potential here and I know that I could make something awesome happen, you know? And, uh, by, you know, the grace of God, I, completely changed my life around the past year of, you know, in, in New York. And when I was living in Philly, it was, it was always a kind of a hustle of, I don't know when my next check is coming. I'm having to chase the bag, everything like that, you know, and it was a lot of uncertainty, but Lafayette gave me that security that I was looking for and the community that I was like itching for of people who want to create something that doesn't exist somewhere. Um, like here, you know, yeah. and, uh, I opened a gift shop on Jefferson street that opened in October. It's called Cocodry, uh, curated curiosities by Colette and it's artists made goods from around the world. And, uh, my own e-commerce business has skyrocketed in the past year and a half. So, yeah. yeah. All right. So that is the, the, the short and sweet, uh, summarized version. So if you're a, uh, too long, didn't read type of person, um, that is in the short and sweet. So I want to kind of go back with you being from Lafayette, yeah. going to school in New York City. Like you had to live in New York City to go to this school. I'm pretty sure you probably could have done like online classes, but you lived in New York for four to six years uh, in that range. Um, what was it like for you being a small town? I say, I say small town. Look, Lafayette's a small, big city. Right. Um we have that, that, that it's still a small town in, in, in the grand scheme of things compared to New York for sure. Um, what was it like for you being from South Louisiana, which is comprised of mostly small towns? You know, the biggest city we have is New, New Orleans. Second is Baton Rouge. And then I think Shreveport, then Lafayette. I think Lafayette's the fourth largest city compared to New York, which I think is the second. No, my, I think it's the first. First or second largest city in United States, like, what was it like for you making that move, going to New York City? For con, I mean, for context, New York is ten million people. That's a lot. Documented <laughs> people, and what Lafayette is. The metro is what one hundred and twenty. Yeah. Ish. So, just for comparison of like the difference in population and massive, what the job pool looks like, what the career field looks like, it's very different. And you, you know? mentioned hustle. I mean, we don't hustle here. <laughs> we have a hustle, but it's a different, it's a, it's that, it's that kind of blase kind of hustle when in New York, people are like literally always from A to B doing something. Yeah, but you know what I love about Development Lafayette though, is that you are a testament to how that's true on the surface, but there's a lot of people in Lafayette making it happen. You know, uh, it, it is pretty chill, especially if you're not in the business world, right. you know, and you're not like looking at what everyone's doing. But when you're in that mindset of like, well, what's that entrepreneur? Like there's, there's a, I have a handful of like local entrepreneurs that they do not know me. I am watching their every move. Cause I'm like, what are you up to? Oh, you know? I love that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Not that I'm trying to steal anything, but no, no. I'm genuinely curious. Cause that's how you build a community. You know, like there's so many people that I've reached out to just saying like, Hey, I see what you're doing. It's awesome. You know, that's it. You know, yeah. I'm not even in your industry. I just think what you're doing is cool, you know? And, I love that. Uh, yeah. Do you have any, are you able to mention anyone in particular? I mean, like, for example, recently, I wish I knew his name. 
but you did a spotlight on the guy who runs Voodoo Vintage, right? Voodoo Vintage. Vintage. Did I do that? It may have been someone else. But I, I messaged him because he was having some issues with getting signatures to run his vintage market downtown. And I was like, hey, I'd love to work with you one day. And I love what you're doing. And, you know, congrats on everything. And I'm sorry you're having the issues that you are with getting signatures. And it was just, you know, I'm sure he didn't even know that I existed. But yeah. I'm watching, you know. I'm, okay. I'm always looking at who's doing stuff. And it's like collecting little characters in my pocket of, well, this person does this project. And this person does this thing. Um, my friend Gabrielle... Uh, she does social media for downtown Lafayette, but amongst yeah. other things, I mean, she's an entrepreneur at yeah, heart. Met her. Uh, with social media, she's like one of the most talented social media, like content creators in Lafayette, you know, and I don't think she would consider herself an entrepreneur. I do. Okay. I, I can see it. Yeah. I but. love that. So going back to, to New York and we kind of mentioned uh, a little bit of the hustle, like what was your experience like in New York? Did you, did you love it? Were there things that you hated? Obviously, uh, everywhere, every place, everything has its pros and cons. But what would, what would, how did, you, how would you describe your experience uh, in New York City? I, so for context, the first two years of my undergrad career, I was in upstate New York uh, because Pratt, the college I went to, has a two-year program in Utica, which is the middle of nowhere okay. near Syracuse. It's <laughs> like I always joke; it's like the New Iberia of upstate New York, oh, right? Um, but the tuition is half the cost, so I was mm. like, "Sign me up!" I get that double experience of I get to be in, you know, beautiful Adirondack country of upstate New York, and then I get to have a clean transfer to the Brooklyn campus. Um, whenever I was junior senior year, yeah. Also, the Amtrak is only 20 bucks, uh, at least back then it was. So I, <laughs> you know, I would bang out all my classes. Somehow, someway, I, I got all 18 hours done Monday through Wednesday, like 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. <laughs> classes. And then on Wednesday night, I would catch the Amtrak and go to New York City for the weekend and go see all the museum shows and exhibitions yeah. and be a part of that culture while still kind of living this double life of like, well, I got to go to school like four hours away, but I'll be back, you know? Um, and that was a really big deal because there's, there's a huge sculpture community up there. And I should mention my, my, I have a bachelor's degree in fine arts and with an emphasis in sculpture. And that's what got me into manufacturing is that I, I got really into, um, you know, just the basics of how to create anything, object making. So woodworking, welding, mold making. Um, I learned all of those fundamentals. And then I used that to build the brand that I have today because I know how to make stuff. You know, I see a lot of entrepreneurs that have great ideas, but they don't, they're not tapped into the artistic uh, functionality or creation aspect of things. Yeah. And that's kind of where they usually have to hire someone else or anything. Meanwhile, I have like 15 different hats on because <laughs> I'm, I'm not only trying to be an entrepreneur and a brand owner, but I know how to make things too. So yeah. I'm very particular. So whenever you were going to school at the, uh, the Pratt Institute, mm -hmm. um, and you're exploring your creativity and your, your, your use cases for different applications and sculpturing. Did you have any idea where you wanted to go with it? Like, cause a lot of, a lot of people in their earlier adulthood just kind of, Oh dear are God, just kind no. of winging it. I had no idea. I, I, I originally went for graphic design because I was like, well, I want to be an artist, but obviously I got to pay for all these student loans. Somehow I got to live somehow, yeah. you know, 
uh, no nepotism here, you know, so I was like, I gotta, I gotta make something work, you know, so I went for graphic design, and then only after one semester, I had a really influential professor, his name's Daniel Buckingham, and I was telling him, you know, well, basically, he kind of cornered me and was like, why are you a graphic design major? Like, you obviously love making physical stuff. Um, I had an internship whenever I was 15 at the New Orleans Glassblowing Studio on Magazine Street in New Orleans, where I lived with my aunt and uncle so that I could have that internship, um, you know, as a yeah. teenager. And he was like, I don't understand. Like, you, you've been doing sculpture since the dawn of time. For what reason? You know, I don't think you even know, but uh, why would you go be a graphic designer when you don't care about that? And I was like, great question, you know? And I was like, I think the answer is that I want to make money while making art. Um, and I know that I I can't have like one or the other. It has to be both. Like, I, I don't want to do the whole, I work an office job and then get to make art. I, I, I've, I've come to points in my life where I've realized, like, if I'm ever in that situation, I'm usually in a bad place mentally, yeah. you know? Um, and he was like, when I was your age, I would charge $5,000 or more to build people backyard decks. And all I needed was a few power tools and all the skills that I were, I learned in undergrad in the wood shop. And I was like, Oh, I never thought of it like that. I never thought about like I could use my sculpture skills to still be creative and offer a service that's, you know, more like manual labor, yeah. you know? And again, that's kind of like how my mindset pivoted towards manufacturing that I was like, wait a minute, there's a huge market for uh, people who want to make things, but don't have the skills or the creativity or the vision and that's actually what I ended up doing whenever I actually lived in New York um, for my junior, senior year in college um, and a little bit after was that I, I found a career in fabrication as an artist. So basically these bougie artists with a budget would come to me. <laughs> uh, they would come to me and they would say, you know, I want to make this thing for my show. Can you do it? Yeah. And Or what do I need to do it? Or consultation, you know, stuff like that. And that's how I made money for a minute was I was, I was helping so other you, artists make their own art. So, so how did you manage to, I guess, find that, I don't know if you want to call it a niche, but go from graphic design to, you know, physical sculpturing and all that good stuff to helping p other artists. Like, shouldn't those other artists have been creating their own stuff? Like, how does how did you get connected to that? How did you get involved in in that? Like, what yeah. was the process? So the business of art is really stigmatized, like very stigmatized. Like, I already know I'm going to get comments from people who are listening <laughs> to this being like, "What?" Um, so let me explain. Yeah. So when you look at like you know we were just comparing the size of Lafayette to New York City, right? right. Now think about how that. <laughs> brief, brief, brief interruption from uh, some iPad, iPad audio. All right, give me one second. That's here. okay. It's <laughs> okay. All right, so it's I, Mardi Gras week. We've we've got we got we're on double duty this week at the at the podcast. Yeah, so the kids are out of school still, and it's Friday, the last day, the last business day, I guess you can say that kids are out of school. So, 
my little boy was trying to put his headphones on his tablet behind me, and the audio was just loud. Hey, he's being good. Yeah, he's being really good. Um, so going back to the the the, the stigmatization of art, yeah. like I'm curious on hearing about that. So whenever you think about how vastly different the art economy is, yeah, and ugh, everyone like people in the art world hate hearing other people in the art world talking about stuff like this because it's so stigmatized of intertwining capitalism and art. But I genuinely think the reason why I've been able to have a successful art career is because I pay attention to these things, to be honest. Um, in New York City, the art economy is so much larger on a billion-dollar scale, right? Um, there's going to be jobs for creatives because of that, you know, from every like from the, the nitty gritty to the administrative level, you know? So I kind of found myself in this position where I was well connected with people because of undergrad, because of friends of friends. I was also very intentional about, you know, I'm going to go to this artist show and I'm going to go shake their hand and just let them know, by the way, if you ever need a fabricator, let me know, you know? Um, and that's the whole thing about like the New York hustle is that, uh, you know, the the culture there is very much like okay with that uh and and you know everyone there is on their hustle and grind you know um so basically you know to what you're saying like shouldn't artists be making their own art yes but because think about all these giant sculptures and public art funds and museum shows that absolutely cannot exist without a team of people. Right. And all of those people are typically other artists, you know? So you'll get this, this big guy that comes in with again, a big budget. He's usually represented by a gallery. I say he, but it can be she too. Or yeah, they. yeah. And it's usually someone who, you know, it's like, okay, we're doing this museum show. Uh, we need 10 pedestals built by tomorrow, you know? Um, the artist is not going to build the pedestal that right, the art goes on. Okay, it's yeah. going to be the fabrication team. Sense. It's going to be the art handlers, all that fun stuff. And I'm, I'm saying this and, you know, I, I only really got into it so much, you know, I, I, whenever the pandemic happened, I fully jumped into e-commerce and started making art for myself for once after, <laughs> you know, kind yeah. of feeling like I was going down the path of I'm going to forever kind of build a career in fabrication, everything like that. Uh, and I, I never turned back. So, okay. I want to, I want to go ahead and dive into that in just a second here, but I do have some sponsors that I need to mention because speaking of yeah. entrepreneurship and paying bills and making money, um, let's do it. This is, this is, this is how I, I fund the show. So I did not mention my presenting sponsor in the beginning cause I was Really excited to get into the show, but uh, it's Chase Group Construction. So they take the lead and become your one point of contact for the entire design build process. So if you're looking for to a business to build or someone to build a business for you, not the business, but to build the structure of the business or to renovate a structure to make your business what it should be, um, Chase Group has a great portfolio of projects that they have done and they range from medical centers to popular restaurants and to multi-unit shopping centers. They have done it all. Uh, their website is chasegroupconstruction.com. You can check them out. They have tons of video. They uh, Chase loves to do drone flyover videos of his projects. So he's got tons of stuff on his website and on his social media accounts. So look them up. 
And if you decide to use them, uh, let them know that you heard about it from us because who knows, maybe we'll make a referral check off of it. That'd be pretty sweet. Whoa. Yeah. All right. So Chase Creek Construction, check them out, uh, chasecreekconstruction.com. And then speaking of art, which construction is an art, but Music Academy of Acadiana, they are the... I would say the best music school in Lafayette. There are several music schools, but uh, Tim Benson is uh, is the owner. He's a UL Lafayette Music School graduate. Also, the he's a member of the Criers, which is an emo cover band in Lafayette, which is really cool. So if you are into that uh, early 2000s screamo uh, emo kind of music, which we all kind of have that that itch, if you're uh, in the I don't know if you would say elder Gen Z and <laughs> millennial range. Any millennial range, I'm sure, hey, would fit even that. if you're not into it and you just want to come yeah. and get a little feel for something new and support yeah. the community here. So, yeah, he's, he's he owns the school. So they teach students of all ages and styles. So if you want to learn piano, uh, guitar, or, you know, if you want to improve your voice, if you want to learn drums, violin, all those things, or if you want to learn audio production, if you just want to make music sound better because, you know, you need those people in the background you know, playing with switches and dials. Uh, so, yeah, they, they've even appeared on uh, major music competition shows like American Idol and The Voice. A lot of their students have gone on there. It's really cool. They've won national recognition and are consistently voted as a top music school since 2016 uh, in various uh, local um, voting situations. So really cool. Their goal is to make music lessons fun, educational, to help foster the next generation of musicians and creative thinkers. And you can check them out at musicacademyacadiana.com. All right. So going back to your business and translating it from, uh, I guess, essentially just a, a art thing that a lot of times when people hear that you're an artist, oh, so you're unemployed situation right right that's the that's the whole like thing for years i was like you're an artist but you so like what's your full-time job yeah right well okay so, so today immediate eye roll right like today our, our like artists have been able to leverage e-commerce in the, the biggest way i mean uh etsy has blown up now some people will look at etsy as um well, depending on when you're talking about Etsy, if it's is it before COVID or after COVID, because Etsy before COVID was predominantly, I, w- I would say, all handmade or mostly handmade. I'm an Etsy hater now. I'm going to just straight up say it. Oh. This is an Etsy hate podcast. Okay. When I'm on it, at least. Well, <laughs> so we're, we're house divided there. I love Etsy, and I'll, I'll explain to you in a minute uh, why. But Etsy, after the year 2020, um, E-commerce in that direction blew up with a lot of people deciding to diversify their income and try to figure out how to make ends meet. And so things like that, Etsy, Amazon, um, Facebook Marketplace, all those places have really gotten um, really, I want to say crowded with junk. Let's just say that. So uh, Colette, how did you Well, this is why I'm an Etsy hater is what I was saying. Yeah, that's (laughs) why I'm like... Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Look, and I and I agree to an extent. Um, there is there is junk on there. Um, I think there are a lot of people on Etsy that are in it just to make a quick buck and are just throwing 
a lot of crap on yeah. there hoping to make a sale. And a lot of what you're seeing, at least the research that I've done, is you have a lot of copycats. Yeah. And we oh, can no, definitely... Oh, no, I forgot about you that you sent me this link. We oh, can definitely no. touch on that. Yeah. Um, so before we get too deep into that whole world, but uh, going to the e-commerce side. So, like, s- start from that point before you went e-commerce what yeah. what led you down the path to do e-commerce so you know i we we talked about my college life um whenever the pandemic hit i was a junior like second semester junior in art school right in new york city in my dorm room um and long story short like whenever the entertainment industry collapsed like i said it was like okay no gigs now um also, like, all of my post-grad plans are kind of collapsing, like, oh, lovely, you know, what am I going to do? Yeah. It was already pretty bad of, like, I'm taking this massive risk of going to art school. Now what, you know? Um, I had always, always, always been into social media. Um, and this was a pre-TikTok, pre-TikTok <laughs> TikTok, time. TikTok, I love it. Yeah. You know, uh, <clears throat> this was, like, the when TikTok was still musically, I'm pretty mm-hmm, sure. But they, I remember that. Or they had made the transition maybe like a year or so prior or something. I want to say the, 2018, 2019 is when it became TikTok. TikTok became more mainstream when the pandemic happened. Oh, definitely. Without a doubt. So that being said, I found that, um, so I had gone viral on social media one time pre-pandemic and it was a sculpture of me carrying a giant birth control container that I had made. And it, I remember it, that. It went uber viral uh feminist on instagram reposted it and like it got like 10 million views or something like that like it was nuts like overnight i had people messaging me being like i wish that you sold merch or something so i could support you because i i love this sculpture you made or can i buy the sculpture i i got that sculpture into a show in lower east side just from that video going viral like i got an email from someone saying you know want to be in this show and i was like okay yeah um and I remember thinking to myself, I was like, dang, like people are asking me if I have something to sell them and I have nothing, uh, nothing, zero. And you had zero e-commerce, zero online presence as far as like products or anything that you sold. I mean, right. Were you, were you able to make money online at all at that point? Uh, I, I hadn't, I, I was really just using Instagram as a portfolio and that was kind of the vibe, you know, like, uh, in terms of like being an influencer during that time period, that was still kind of like the, the OG YouTuber influencer era of like, unless you're David Dobrik, you're not making (laughs) shit, you know? So I'm not on there to be an influencer. I'm there just to be an artist and show my portfolio and connect with other artists and use it as a tool. Right. And it was funny because I would have classmates kind of giggle at me for taking it a little too seriously. Who's laughing now? Because now it's like my whole career, you know? Um, So essentially what happened is I, uh, I created a pack of two stickers. It was a strawberry and a birth control packet. Uh, Whenever I lost my job with the pandemic, I actually had to move back to Louisiana because they closed the dorms in Mm. on, on campus in New York because of the, you know, everyone's freaking out. And my my mom uh, works the Red Cross. And so this is before you graduated? Yes. Yeah, so this okay. is, so sorry, we're losing track of the timeline. So we're, it's 2020, we're, it's spring break. We're just hearing about the pandemic. Got it, yep. My mom works the Red Cross and has been in the medical industry for years. So she called me and she said, I know you said you don't want to come home for spring break. I'm buying you a plane ticket, come home. And bring all your important documents, like, don't expect to go back. And I was like, whatever, mom, you know, (laughs) little did we know, like a week later, they would say, if you haven't left the dorms, you have to, 
Uh, we don't know when you'll be back, you know? So it was very real to me very quickly. Um, I have bills to pay. I have no, no job anymore. Uh, I don't have my campus job, nothing, you know? Um, I don't even know what I'm going to do for school. Like, is it going to be online? Like, ah, what's happening? Right. Um, I immediately was like, you know, I've always wanted to make stickers. Let me just like see about this whole e-commerce thing. Right. And I, I released two stickers, one of a birth control packet that's like all glittery and one of a strawberry. And why a strawberry? Oh, I'll tell that story. I'll tell okay. that story. All right. All right. Uh, long story short, I've made like 800 bucks in like two or three weeks selling those Off two stickers. stickers. Okay. Um, and where were you selling? Big cartel. It's okay. like a very yeah. basic. So I've, I've been an Etsy hater since day one. And this is what I mean by I've always kind of had an entrepreneur kick to me is that like, I remember doing the breakdown cost of like, if I'm selling a $3 sticker on Etsy, I'm barely profiting Mm-hmm. anything, know. you know, uh, like a few cents really. So I was like, why would I even do this? Especially if I'm trying to like get all these people that saw my viral video to like go support me, you know, I was like doing cold DMS to people being like, Hey, I know you said you want to buy something from me that one time. Uh, Here's, I finally have one yeah. single sticker of a birth control <laughs> container, you know, and did they appreciate that? Did you get anything from yes, that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, uh, all that did was make me go, Hmm well, if I have two stickers, why don't I have five? And why don't I make an enamel pin while I'm at it? And why don't I do a pre-order? And then, and then I, before I, before I knew it, I was running like a whole operation out of my childhood bedroom, (laughs) selling like two or three sticker designs and, uh, and making TikToks. So I'm bored out of my mind in, in lockdown, you know, in Louisiana after living in New York all these years, I'm like, I'm not supposed to even be here right now. What am I doing? You know? Yeah. And, um, that's what spearheaded the e-commerce thing was. I went from making stickers to, we are a worldwide business now. And my main squeeze is hair claws, hair claws and hair accessories. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you go from stickers to and like little pins to hair claws um what was the how, how okay uh, there's a lot there's yeah, a lot to unpack I know. I'm, here. I'm dumping so much uh, i know <laughs> I'll, i want to get to the hair claw thing in a minute um i want to go back to the etsy hate oh, um I know we you, we mentioned a little bit and kind of alluded to the junk and all that good stuff what about etsy do you hate? What are, why are you an Etsy hater? I think that the platform used to be very, uh, um, I think the platform isn't what it used to be. I think it used to be a platform for like, you know, th- their guidelines were a little more strict. Uh, now it's a lot of, you know, like drop shippers, a lot of, e- it, it's like eBay in a way where unless you sort by like gently used, you're going to get a bunch of stuff like, like, you know, Timu crap. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm a firm Etsy hater in that, like, I have to jump through all these hoops to get my copyrighted items taken down, you know, thank God I am an artist that can afford to protect myself, you know, but, um, I, I just don't think it's profitable. They're, they're the way that they take money. They charge you like 20 cents just to relist an item if it sells out every single time. And, and I think it's every four months. If you don't sell, it's another 20 cents. My personal theory. And like, let's, let's come back to this in a few months from now. My personal theory is that Etsy's going to go down. 
Really? Unless they change things. Oh, absolutely. I think that's why they're penny pinching because all these platforms that do things like that where they just want every single little, every little thing that should be there because that makes them more money. If they're making money off of you just using the platform as opposed to making money off of you making a sale, something's up. In my opinion, Shopify, for example, would never charge me to list another item. Why? Because they get 3% of every transaction that that item sells. They want that 3% of the $20 that I'm making them, not 20 cents for relisting an item. You're punishing the customer. This is, you know what this is making me like think of is uh, there's this thing in Lafayette called, uh, the 4% club in my family. Oh God. I think I know where you're headed. Yeah. The the convenience fee, God. AKA yes. it's convenient for the business owner, but as a customer, it's I'm not. like, I would rather, I went to, I, I shouldn't say the business name. I got a cookie recently from a business and it was a really, really nice cookie. It was $3 and 50 cents. Then I got charged an extra 40 cent convenience fee. And I said, I, I, I was like, I know that you're just the cashier but what is this convenience fee? And they were, I was like, is it cash? Cause I can pay in cash if, if you're penalizing me for p- paying with the card. Right. Yeah. And they were like, no, it's because of inflation. Like our materials cost more. I said, so the, why isn't the cookie $4? Yeah. Make the cookie you could make more. Even more mo- right. I, I don't want to pay three ninety for a cookie. Charge me $4. I don't care. But why would, why do I have to be penalized as the customer? You know, it's the psychology of doing yeah. business. Of and like, to be honest, that, that person that, that responded probably didn't fully understand. Yeah. I think the 4% is the credit card processing fee that the business owner does not want to pay themselves. I think that is interesting and very, uh, how do I say this? And I'm sorry if you're a local entrepreneur listening to this with peace and love. I own a gift shop on Jefferson street. (laughs) I would never make my customers pay an extra percentage. That should be factored into your expenses. In my opinion, increase everything by a dollar if you have to, Correct. you know, and that was the argument. I know we're on a slight tangent, but it all, it all goes down. I'm sorry. I'm a yapper. Okay. So whenever, so God, the city of Scott, I'm going to call out the city of Scott was the biggest um, group. I say group. It was a group collective effort in the city of Scott to charge 4%. Every business in Scott was like, oh, so-and-so business is doing it. I'm going to charge 4%. Oh, this business is doing it. I'm going to start charging 4%. And then it became a thing like the city of Scott charges 4% if you use a card, but other places didn't have that yet. Right. And then in Lafayette, it started trickling where all of a sudden all the small local businesses were like, I'm going to charge 4% too. Because if they're doing it, I'm going to do it. It became a trend to do. But the conversations with a lot of customers was if if you're worried about 4%, why not just make the the fourteen dollar meal that I was buying, you know, sixteen dollars or whatever. Right. Like bake it into the price. Like I'd rather pay the price of the meal versus feeling yes. like if just because I don't have cash. You are punishing your customers Men- yeah. mentally, that is what they are walking away with. And I think that a lot of small business owners, honestly, um, especially since the pandemic, of what you were talking about, there's a lot of people who are opportunistic. Maybe they're not even real entrepreneurs at heart. They're just 
interested and don't really know like but there's also a lot of like ogs that are doing this too um and that's why it kind of confuses me i'm like i know y'all know better you know um whenever you do things like this uh you're kind of taking away from the whole well we're a small business excuse you know because there are things where for example if you come into my gift shop on jefferson street and you see that we have a ceramic mug for 36 dollars, i understand that Minimum wage here is seven twenty-five. Yep. That's like almost a half day, if not a full day of pay for some <laughs> for people a for yeah. a mug. Yeah. I get it. I totally get it. Mm-hmm. Um, that is whenever I can say, well, we're a small business. This was made by an artist, uh, a real person. You know, this isn't like slave labor, or all that fun stuff. We're a small business, right? But then it starts to turn into when we lean on that whole, well, we're a small business, like excuse a little too much. The customers don't care. They don't care. They just want the product. Yeah. And then if you make it more difficult, the more obstacles to getting that product, you know, like I could have enjoyed my $3.50 cooking, but I left honestly thinking, man, I'm eating this like 40 cent convenience <laughs> fee right now. You know, I'm eating, I'm in my car about to film a TikTok being like, ah, you know, yeah. at the 40 cents. Um, so I got a comment Go from Andre A. Um, he says, that's why I prefer to call it a cash discount. Ooh. And see, that's what I mean by if, if, uh, you know, there's certain places that they kind of just charge it to you immediately. They don't even, you know, I would prefer if they'd, if they said, Hey, if you pay with cash, you know, yeah, it's 4% less, but we do have this thing, but don't call it a convenience fee. Who is it convenient for? It's not convenient. It's just it's a not, fee. It's just it's a fee. It's simply yeah. a fee. So going back to Etsy and the whole the whole fees. So the twenty cents for relisting or listing and then relisting. Every time you make a sale, it's another twenty cents that they have to charge you. On top of the six point five percent fee that they take. I'm and, sick. And then <laughs> okay, and then the three point five percent processing fee right Colette it's almost 10 percent at that rate for how much effort you're putting into another business Mm -hmm. that is advertising products similar to yours next to you yeah your competitors are being advertised right like you go to buy an earring they're going to show you you might like these products from these people Uh uh-uh for 10 percent Shopify okay percent I know that Shopify is like a whole spaceship of buttons and stuff for a lot of people to get used to. It's, it's yeah. difficult. Even if you started with big cartel, I I know for a fact it's not that high, you know? So Etsy used to be on a lower percentage. I don't know how low. I think it was like maybe 3 or 4%, but they went up to 6.5. And a lot yeah. of small artists were like, that's eating into my, my right. very small profit right. that I have. And I was, you know, and me going into Etsy, I went, I, I went into Etsy probably in 2021. I tried out a, 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 yeah, I call it a print on demand business. It's essentially what right. it is. I don't want to call it drop shipping because I'm not drop shipping from China. Right. And it's not Timu stuff. Um, the, there's a local business in Lafayette that does uh, print on demand products. And so I've connected with them and I am a graphic designer. That's an, how I start moved to Lafayette. And so I don't have the, the, the wherewithal to 
buy and make and print my own stuff. I don't have the equipment right now, uh, laser machines, all that good stuff that I would need. So through this third party that's connected with my Etsy store, I can make metal signs mm-hmm. that I designed. They just, all I'm doing is basically paying this third party to use their equipment and to cut it. And then also uh, doormats, like outdoor doormats, these um, yeah. coconut core uh, doormats. And then I, I have certain designs that I print on them. And I have my little Etsy store since, since I opened it up in 2022, this particular store uh, has done okay. It's I'm almost at 200 sales. But the part that just eats me up is the amount of percent that I have to give to Etsy every time I make a sale. And then on top of that, to be competitive in Etsy, like you just mentioned, they'd like to show your product next to someone else. Like, oh, you might also like this, which could be a potential copycat because everybody, look, if you're if you if you want to be good on Etsy, you got to do the research on Etsy. You got to have these third party plugins. And then at that point, what are you doing? Yes. You're building your whole brand around someone else. Like this, like okay. <laughs> what I, what I wanted to say is, you know what I'm hearing, and what I've always said about Etsy yeah. is that the only thing Etsy brings to the table is SEO. Etsy Search SEO and built in customer base already. Right. Essentially, they I guess they've recognized that that was that's their bread and butter. So right. they're like, Oh, we're just going to bring up the percent because if somebody goes out on their own and gets a Shopify account, which I've used Shopify, Shopify before I get crickets, unless right. you're like really good. Or if you already have a follower base that you can right. drive your traffic to shop, you're going to hear sh- crickets on Shopify. You're going to have to figure out how to get organic traffic and you're going to have to, you know, spend ad money. And then you, you really don't know. Right. Right. Something that I hadn't, so about a year ago, I, I had seen another artist do this, despite the fact that I've spent all this time, effort, and labor on to building my Shopify, uh, I saw that there was an artist that was like 10 times the size that I am, and the reason why she keeps her Etsy is because of what you're talking about, is that they already have, there's people who are so trustworthy of Etsy, and they the SEO does work, yeah. that she was like, honestly, I just see it as cross-posting of uh, I'm going to have my account on Etsy. I'm never, ever, ever going to promote it. And if we get a sale through it, then great. If we don't, then fine. And I was like, hmm, what if I did that? So I did that. I listed, I started small. I listed all of my sticker designs on Etsy and was like, let's just see if I get any sales f- only from SEO and people searching for, you know, because I have, I have over like 30, 50 sticker designs that are different motifs and yeah. stuff. So it's easy if you're looking up like, um, you know, cool thrift shop sticker, then like my design might come up that says uh, thrift expert and it's a little hanger, you know, and it's just funny. Um, sure enough, Etsy's SEO was pushing my stickers out. We got uh, maybe like 20 sales okay. in the first month or so. Uh, That's pretty good. A huge chunk of them, people would say, uh, I never got my sticker. I sent mm. that dang sticker out. So what the heck, you know, or I'm over here again, like cutting into profit margins where, um, because it's a whole other party that's policing how my business is run. Um, you know, like for me, for example, I'd rather send a replacement, but on Etsy's background, like they'll say things like, uh, the customer would rather just get a refund. I don't do that in my business today on Shopify. If you message me and you say, I never got my thing, 
the last thing we're going to do is offer a refund. Right. We'd rather send a replacement because that's yeah. what you ordered and that's what you're complaining about, right? Unless the customer up front was like, you know. But do you see what I mean by like there's a there's like a corporate entity above you that's yeah. policing how you can operate your own systems, and that was I, I just was like I'm out, you know. No, and I and I feel that so you have to. It's look. Etsy's Etsy's tough because I've I've been in that position where I've had an item get sent that was damaged. Yeah, and uh, the comment because especially if the, the 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 customer is not a um, they don't, if they don't have an account on Etsy if they're just a guest right there's no way for them to communicate you with you directly you have to go through like Etsy's like customer service right uh, portal and then you'll get a message saying um you know like you said this customer has an issue and they they're requesting uh, a refund you see how you see their message like right. you mentioned or a replacement and whenever i see refund i cringe and i'm like i don't offer refunds cuz every item that i have has a cost to it it's it's there's a cost to it and it's made to order it's print on demand so well, i don't have any inventory that's just sitting right and if you send that item back to me god forbid if that's something you choose to do, I can't do anything with it. Right. It's not my design. It probably right. has your name on it because right. I customize every part of it. So what I would rather do, like you said, is send a replacement. It's going to cost me because I still have to print on demand and make a, a new one, but I would rather have that and potentially get a good review from you because right. also reviews. You the bet, If you get a bad review on Etsy, Etsy can close your store. They're right. like, oh. Exactly. Exactly. It's bad. Yeah. It's all, that's why it's good to have a Shopify account. Shopify is more heavy on chargebacks. Oh my God. So yes. that's the whole thing Ooh. of itself. So I feel I've like, I feel like for people who maybe aren't familiar, you know, I think we've talked about like the beginning of my career a lot, but just to add some context to like, just so I'm not up here talking all high mighty <laughs> with no context of like what I do today. Um, I, 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 so after I got out of the enamel pins and the stickers and everything, I, I kind of hit, hit this dry spell around early 2022 where I was like, you know, I don't really want to be a merch store because I'm an artist and designer at heart. I need to do something more than just uh, putting my graphics that already exist onto different yeah. ap applications, you know? Um, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that I, I, you know, I was like, I want to do more. I want to push this further. I think that I'm not going to be able to really scale my business unless I get to that point. And one of the reasons why I emphasize needing to scale is I have a lot of art school student debt. It's bad. It's, it's bad, bad. It, it's so bad that like, even if I got a nine to five job, uh, oh. I, it's going to take mo way more than 15 years. And that is a whole other tangent yeah, no of bueno. the student debt crisis of, you know, I know I signed up for it. That being said, like, but at least you recognize that. So, I, so yes. like you have your, I don't want to call them conservatives cause I'm a conservative guy, but you have those extreme people who are like, Oh, that's what you get for, you know, right. this and that and getting a degree that is cause some people would say, oh, an art degree is just a wasted degree, and it's not. Right. You are making it work, and I love that. I'm kind of an example of how, like, I got every good card dealt to me yeah. in this in the life that I wanted. I went to art school. I lived in New York. I came home to my hometown. I swallowed my pride of saying, I know I'm not going to be able to reach my financial goals if I stay in New York, and I want to be the change I wish to see, right? Um, we're a worldwide, you know, well over six figure business 
and I'm still struggling, you know, and that's not uh, something that I think people want to talk about enough. And it's that like, you know, it's not like, you know, I, I've had other positions. I, I've, I've been an executive director. I, uh, I worked at Wharton for a semester. So, um, if you want to, if the conservatives listening want any clout, you know, that's where <laughs> Donald Trump and Elon Musk went to school, Wharton okay. school of business at, uh, you know, you Philly and, um, you Penn in Philly. And, uh, so like, I know a thing or two about finance and everything. And like I said, like there's so many artists that are deserving of a career in terms of their talent, but they don't look at the numbers. And that's the whole thing that I think we're getting at with the Etsy situation is that it's like, it doesn't matter how wonderful of an artist you are and how talented you are. If, if you want a career in the arts and you want to profit off of the arts, unfortunately, that means that you have to get real about capitalism yeah. and what that means and what you provide. And, and it's a whole other mindset on top of being able to create something authentic to you. Yes. And the word capitalism will trigger some people a lot. And, and especially in the artist community, because there, are, uh, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I, capitalism is bad in the, in the artist's community. That's just, yeah. And, but it's it's what we have. That's why the the you know no one wants to talk about business in the arts. Nobody wants to admit that you know without the money we can't make the art. We can't even go to Michaels without money God, to make the art. You know, um, but yeah, capitalism is a touchy word because I, I mean that's a whole another tangent yeah, of itself yeah, of like who does it serve? You know. Um, there's things that I've been able to implement of like, again, being the change I wish to see of like, you know, um, you know, you, you never make less than 15 an hour working for me. Not that that's like a huge perk nowadays, especially, but right. it, it's something whenever yeah. it's 725 is our minimum wage here in Louisiana. I'm dedicated to making jobs, creative jobs in the South. Um, my only goal is to pay my debt off and then, and then create more creative jobs, you know? And, um, I'm fortunate that, with my career and with my presence online, I was able to build a dedicated following that enjoys my creations. And um, I would love to tell the story of like how my designs went viral yeah. and how I built my business. I definitely want to get into that. Uh, yeah. I do have a, one more comment. So it's back from uh, Andre A. He said, Etsy is a crafters and artists is to crafters and artists what Pinterest is to remodel contractors. It starts as inspiration and leads to starting a network, but soon becomes a huge pain and cost with little to no benefit. So, yeah. I like the comparison to Pinterest because I know <laughs> Pinterest is like the devil for a lot of people. I know. And Pinterest used to be really nice. It's, that's, that's, that goes with everything. Everything has like its, its time, and then all of a sudden it's like it got ruined. Yeah. And usually it gets ruined when – big investors get in and they need to line their pockets. Yeah. That's essentially what I feel happens. I know with Facebook, uh, before 2014, Facebook was uh, just a private company and you could go viral on Facebook pretty easily. You can yeah. now, but it's only because Facebook has to be competitive with... Facebook is like a cesspool for online content yes. now. It's really insane. It, it is. But, I mean, it's the biggest, especially in South Louisiana, Facebook is one of the largest... Uh, social media platform still everybody is on it still some of the younger people aren't but for the most part people that are spending a lot of money right they're still on it and if you want to 
use it. That's, and I know for me, Facebook is still the biggest. Do I wish I could get away from Facebook? Yes. Uh, But I dabble in other things. I I opened up a TikTok, but this is neither here nor there. Um, But yeah, so we got a little bit of time left. I want to get to the, the, the nitty gritty of how, you went viral recently. Um, you mentioned your hair claws and your accessories, and that has blown up. I'm curious to know, what, like, you just went into hair claws. Did you have any idea that that would blow up? Like, yeah. Tell me, kind of walk me through the that that process of like creating them, sharing them, and then going viral. Like, what was that like? So. You know, I I'd kind of left off saying I I got really into the idea of like uh you know I I want to make more than just merch you know, and I had made some like uh, machine knit scarves that I had outsourced to a factory in Poland, and it they were awesome. It was so cool seeing one of my designs be on like a physical tangible object as opposed to just like a printed 2D sticker or print yeah. or t-shirt. It was like, whoa, this is like this is really sick. Like the whole thing is mine, you know? Um and that's whenever like the bug really got me. And uh I have a background in um CAD computer aided design and I had made jewelry and I'd made earrings in the past and stuff, but I'd never really like fully gotten to uh, immerse myself in the possibilities because I just, I didn't love acrylic. I didn't love the, the, uh, the plasticky nature of 3d printing. You know, I was like, I don't really know how I could make anything super interesting with this that hasn't already existed. I would have to use something that was 3d printed to create something else. Like that's kind of just like a starting point. It's a prototype. It's not, it's not a finished product, you know? And, um, I still use, uh, CAD to like make like visuals and stuff every now and then. But basically, um, I'd had it on my, my checklist of, I, I was like, I, I want to do, I want to focus in 2023 on headwear accessories because I, I need to niche down right now. The merch thing of like nail pins, stickers, t-shirts, tote bags. I was like, I'm kind of in like the comic con booth, uh, genre right now of small business. And I was, there's nothing wrong with that. It just was that I am not super illustration heavy as much as I am interested in making a final outcome product. Right. If that makes any visual sense. Uh, but I was like, okay, so, uh, where do I, where do I pivot from here? And I did embroidered hats. I did silk scarves, uh, like silk, uh, skinny scarves, like ties and everything. And the last thing on my checklist after doing like bandanas, silk scarves, all that, I was like, I, I want to try hair claws. And I got in touch with the manufacturer. I sent them some of my designs. I love this material. This is bioacetate. It's a plant-based bioplastic. Um, it's non-petroleum based. Okay. Um, and it can be fused together, which unlike acrylic, like it's, it's very seamless. It's, uh, it's, it's very sturdy and I just fell in love with how juicy it looks and how strong it is. And you said, you said juicy. It's so juicy. And, um, you know, basically I made three designs. I had this wisdom tooth, um, this love letter and a strawberry. 
And little did I know that this wisdom tooth would catch the eye of the dental industry. And the I, I made a TikTok. And to be fair, I already had a platform that was pretty substantial, about 300,000 followers on TikTok. I made a TikTok being like, you know, here's some of my designs. And uh, I was almost ready to kind of throw in the, the towel on my small business at the time, to be honest. Like I was, I was not doing great financially. I had just moved back to the South. I had just accepted a position working for a nonprofit. I was like, you know, I'm, I'm just getting a little burnt out on like the constant hustle. Mm-hmm. Like I need that final push of like, we need to really be doing well or else like mentally, I don't know how much longer this is going to be worth it. Right. Um, I had a booth that did really badly at South by Southwest due to like bad, uh, like planning on behalf of the the art market founders and everything. And I just remember that eight hour drive home being like, dang, I just like did this for no reason. Um, and that's kind of why I opened Cocodry was that I was investing thousands of dollars into art market booths and stuff, kind of crossing my fingers that I would make some kind of return on my investment. Right. Um, and I was like, I should just open a storefront at this point on Jefferson where I know there's a demographic that is itching for something a little more cool and funky and fun. And it's a growing space in Lafayette, you know? Um, but this happened at the same time. So I had gotten the keys to Cocodry the same month that this wisdom tooth went viral. This wisdom tooth hair claw went viral with the dental community. And suddenly we sold thousands of them in like a day. But you didn't have thousands in stock. No, we opened a pre-order. Okay. So I'd already had experience going viral one other time uh, with a t-shirt I designed that said, uh, Southerners for Science, get vaccinated, y'all. And it was a crawfish riding a vaccine needle like a a rodeo bull. Yeah, yeah. And that, uh, we sold like 2,000 of those t-shirts. And that was back in 2021. And the way that I was able to do that was I just had the idea while I was watching the sales come in, I was like, I'm going to sell out in like two seconds. And the, the nature of viral marketing is that no one's coming back. Right, right, yeah. No, These are people of, who yep. have never been exco- exposed to your page before. You're getting shared like wildfire. But once that wildfire goes out, it's out. It's done. Yep. So I opened a pre-order, um, and I learned a lot from that experience. I learned a lot about, you know, you need to communicate with people. You need to tell them, like, you know, how long the wait's going to be, touch base with people, like email threads, automation, stuff like that. Um, and I did the same thing with this wisdom tooth. I saw the sales were coming in. I saw all the comments from all the dental professionals being like, can I order 50 from my office, you know? And like overnight, it was like, we're back. We are back. That's crazy. But the thing that I learned from the viral moment that I had with the the, the crawfish t-shirt design was that I was like, you know, I should have taken that wave and and wrote it a little longer. I should have made a follow-up design that was similar or of the same nature. Like I, I should have milked it, so to say a little more, um, to see if there was more potential for growth there. Um, and that's what I did differently this time was because I saw the pattern of dental professionals saying, Oh my God, I need these for my whole, my whole office. They're so cool and funky and, and fun, but still like neat and professional and everything and relatable. I said, why don't I make these for every profession out there? Yeah. And from May to October, I worked on packaging. I worked on drawing so many new designs. Uh, On October 1st, we released 10 new career claws is what I, I decided to call them. And overnight, 
we exploded and people were waiting. I'd made so many videos saying like the story I just told you of, um, you know, I'm going to make a bunch of career clause, their career theme. Like, I can't wait to show you my platform, like doubled overnight. We're at, I think now we're at 550,000 followers. Yeah, that's crazy. And, and it's, my comments every day are flooded with people saying, please make one for engineers. And then we just came out with an engineer gear. Um, please make one for cardiovascular health. And now we have an anatomical heart. I know. I saw the heart one. I was like, that's cool. I think the whole thing is cool. And a lot of other people think it's really cool. So much so that you've been ripped off. Oh God. Yes. So, and it, and I sent you, and ironically, I sent you an Etsy link with uh, a, a dupe, a horrible dupe, but a dupe none, nonetheless. Um, so you went viral. How, do you know how, how many, do you know how many you've sold and like what your best seller is at the moment? The Wisdom Tooth is like number one still to this okay. day. Um, runner up would definitely be the pill bottle. We have ah, a prescription bottle. bottle. Yep. And then number three would be the anatomical heart. Like it's, it's skyrocketing. The medical community, dude. The medical community is coming through. And you know what? I love it because like, you know, again, being intentional about, uh, I refuse to be like a victim to capitalism. I would rather uh, capitalize on capitalism, capitalize <laughs> on cap you know, of just like, I need to pay attention to trends yeah. and the good thing too is like as a content creator, I love listening to my audience and that's like fun for me and it's part of the creative process. So at least I'm not like losing track of myself or anything. Right. Like, and a lot of this, like if you look at my work from college and everything, I've worked with iconography a lot of just like symbols and stuff. So th this is still so on brand for me. And, um, you know, when Very I Very much so. Because I remember yeah. some of your earlier stuff, a lot of your your you more unique items you had a, uh, a a mouse a mouse cursor yes and that's like the one thing that sticks out the most to me is that mouse cursor because you 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 would go around with it and i do remember the uh, the uh oh god the the pills the pregnancy the birth control yeah uh, i do remember that but that for some reason the mouse cursor stuck out a lot to me because it was very it was like pixelated but yeah. yeah this is very similar to that it's in that same vein of icons and Symbols it it makes so much sense. Like look you, at my my mural at the Children's Museum. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You did. You pivoted, but you you still maintained your artistic flair and your 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 niche of. It's authentic. Yes, it's, it's very authentic. It's as much as I I love to joke that it's like oh I sold out. It's like no, I finally found the thing that is mine. Right. and works. And, and every, that is like such a high to be like every artist, wow. no matter if you're even anybody, that you want that. Like that's how you you make money. That's how you survive. Is people buy the things that you create. What and, more could I ask for as an artist than an audience that enjoys what I create, wants what I make? Yep. And it's like I finally cracked the code of like it, everything makes sense. And I had spent years trying to make every little thing add up, but I didn't know what the missing puzzle piece was, you know. And accessories are a part of the beauty community, which there's so much the, influence the and money there, you yeah. know. Like I'm, we're about to start leaning heavy into like hiring photographers and hairstylists and 
like really putting more emphasis on like the editorial aspect of things. And I'm so excited. Now what needs to happen, I don't know if this is something that needs to happen. I feel like it needs to happen is somebody that is really, really big who has eyeballs galore needs to be seen wearing one. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. even like I'll get a, a, I'll get tagged in the comments of, um, you know, like a, a, a big TikTok dentist will be wearing one or there's several, or yeah. I'll yeah. get, I'll get tagged from different influencers and stuff. And I'm like, I didn't even know that you saw this, uh, the, you know, cause the comments, the comment section of every video that I make now is people suggesting like, please do my field, yeah, which yeah. is awesome. Um, and we do plan to expand the career clause collection. Well, there's only so pretty, many that you can do infinitely. so quickly. Yeah. So we try to do like the broad categories first. Like we have like engineering, STEM, uh, you know, medical accounting. We did a spreadsheet one and people are <laughs> loving that. We have a calculator. Um, there's a lot of them that like kind of dip into other categories too. So I'm being yeah. really strategic about like what designs we release right now. I ha I believe we have a total of like 30. Then another way that we expanded was that the short hair girlies, they want a clip instead of a claw, yeah. you know? So this is a great example of like listening to your audience is like, I would see people saying, I love this. I love the idea. I want this so bad, but I barely have any hair girl. And I'm like, <laughs> I got you, you know? And then I'll have someone say I'm bald. And I'll say, that's cool. You can clip this onto your bandana or your tie or your collar. Like there's so many options, yeah. you know? And, um, I'm, I'm so grateful that it's like the, I feel like a mad scientist, like the formula's working, you know? So now I'm just trying to build my Frankenstein of a hair, yeah. a hair accessories business. And it's so fun. And that is so important is that I enjoy what we're doing and it works and it works. Yeah, it's it's definitely working, and of course, with all the the the, the viralness of it, uh, like like we mentioned, is that you're you you have people that are copying your your work, which is unfortunate, but yeah, also it's it's a sign that what you've done has reached so many people, yes, and such a large audience that others are like, oh my god that person's making money off of this, like a lot of money. And it, it goes back to the whole Etsy mindset of like, yeah. oh, that's a bestseller. Let me create a version of that bestseller. And hopefully maybe I'll get good sales off right. of that too. And some people may, some people may not. Um, but you have a, like you said, a, you mentioned a legal team that you have going after some of the, the copies. And um, I think that's yeah. great because uh, you need to protect it. If that's, if that's working for you. Yeah. Yeah. Protect that. I mean, speaking of the financials, like you had said earlier, like, you know, how, like when we talk about the student debt crisis, right. And I talk about how, like, sometimes I feel like I'm an example of how bad it is. Um, one of the reasons why, like, it's kind of a, a weird paradox where I'm like, we're doing so great, but also I'm still like yeah. a good, like six figures in student debt, you know? Um, the wow. reason for that is it's like, okay, uh, again, like the system is kind of rigged against vulnerable 18 year olds that, you know, my interest rate is so insane that it's like, I'm barely making any progress. But right now I'm trying to put as much money towards protecting the business that I've been building so that I can knock it all out in one or two swings, right. as opposed to little tiny payments over time. And that is what I mean by like, I'm taking the power back of like, I don't want to be a victim to capitalism. I don't, I don't want to struggle. 
I want to take advantage of the fact that I can be educated on these things and I can protect myself in ways that, you know, dupes from China, they're going to exist. No matter what size artist you are creative, um, I'm going to try and play whack-a-mole and get rid of as many as possible. (laughs) You got to try. Um, but the more thing that we worry about is like domestic, like, you know, what if a big box brand Mm. uh, releases something and, um, you know, I've done everything that I can to protect myself. So now I can say, Hey, uh, you know, yeah. And if somebody locally, I say locally, locally in the, as far as the continental United States, um, if, if a larger company were to do that and it was an obvious copycat, you have social proof that you created this in the beginning. I mean, I know that sometimes that doesn't hold water depending on how, what your legal terms are. Uh, and how copyright works, but it, it actually really does. Okay, maybe so it does. People, so something I've been running into is that there's a certain someone that started a whole, a whole Etsy business making career clips. Mm-hmm. What a great idea, right. right? Well, all the comments are flooded with, you know, put some respect on my girl Colette's name, you know, or, or this is very obviously just like a spinoff of, you know, what Colette's doing. So you doing. have people that are going we, at, we going, collect that evidence. Yeah as evidence of you are, um, you are, cre- I, I'm trying to find the word that I'm looking for. Uh, you are. Encroaching? No. no, you are selling something with bad intention of like, you're, you are intentionally trying to, uh, how do I say this? There's a specific word I'm looking for. Not in fringe. It, it you're 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 selling people a lie okay essentially got it um so if you're piggybacking off off of this obviously i didn't invent hair claws i can't prevent anybody from making hair claws like that's fine um but whenever it's like this specific stuff that it's like my practical exact drawing if yeah. not extremely similar the branding's the same whatever it's it's interesting because you are um you're in, you are infringing on my IP in the sense that every little, th- it's like the difference between like Stanley and Yeti. Yep. I know. They're probably <laughs> always emailing each other, you know, of like, Hey, you did this thing. That's like really similar to what we did of this thing. Of, and you know, yeah. um, and then you're, there's your dupes from China and all that. Now, uh, you know, but yeah, you are creating a brand and your logo, your, your logo, your name is on the hair clips. Right. So if somebody wants authenticity now, I know somebody can probably try to duplicate authenticity, which is going to be hard. Um, you just open it up and your name is in there. Right. Yeah. I, no, mean, I mean, people can steal my signature. Yeah. This is what I mean by it's kind of like whack-a-mole of like the thing that I have that all of these dupers, resellers, fraud people, whatever, the thing that they don't have is that they're not me. Right. You know? And that the, you, you, you'll never have my story because that's my story, you know, and that's, it's my creative touch and my creative influence that no one can replicate because you're not me, you yeah. know? And that's um, what I say, uh, uh, about developing Lafayette is somebody, so my business partners, when we, we first became business partners, they asked me, so what's to stop somebody to do what you're doing? Uh, and I said, to do it. Like nobody's doing do it. it. Right. And I've seen people attempt to do what I'm doing 
and there's 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 just something missing. Right. And it's because I, I like to say it's because of me, but I do I, I put a lot of my personality into the content that I put out there while also trying to be as neutral as I can for everybody to share it. But I'll put something in that article or in that post that is just so out of left field and makes people that see it like kind of tilt their head. Like, why did he put that? And I do that for not just because sometimes I get bored with putting out mundane content, but sometimes I'm like, I need to put something in there that's going to make people like, go, okay, this is obviously Ben that's writing this because nobody right. else, no other news organization would put this. Yeah. So I, that, that's what I told him. I was like, look, it's to do, to do this type of work, to do the, 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 the personality that I have, it's, that's, that's, what's different. Nobody's doing it, the legwork or anything like that. Well, and you know, I, something else I'll say too, is that like, I never want to, uh, like hinder anybody's creative freedom. There are a lot of people who genuinely don't know the like legal aspect, the business aspect. Um, you know, you can go and start an Etsy store. It doesn't mean you know how to run a business. Right. You know, it doesn't mean that you'll be able to handle the workload or, or anything like that. It doesn't mean that you have any of the fundamental skills beyond just uh, ordering something and then trying to sell it, you know. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's interesting how, you know, there was this one person that ripped me off. And I actually just messaged them and was like, hey, um, you blocked me on social media. So you're already self-incriminating. Wow. Uh, I'm messaging you from my alternative account because what up, you know? And I was like, I was like, I think you should just take this down and then we can just call it there because I mean, like this person even went as far as to like make a fake drawing video of them making like a tooth. Oh no. And it was like, oh please, like, are you serious? And, and they responded to me and they were like, Hey, I gotta be totally honest with you. Like I'm a dental student and I just thought this was such a good idea. And I wanted to like take it a step further and like do my own like takes on things. And like, uh, I didn't know that, like, I didn't realize how serious this was, you know? And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is my art. I'm a business. I have a legal team. Like you're also admitting oh. to me over DM right now that you are, you know, you, you know me, but yes, this is what you did. Like all that stuff. And again, like, it's just interesting that like in the art world, again, because art and business, that whole conversation is so stigmatized. There's so many unknowns. There's so many people that think that these, uh, these things that people like you and I do that are creative and are, our entire jobs, right. They see it as an opportunity to have a side hustle to, um, you know, kind of jack your swag or something because they want what you have. And it usually has to do with money. Yep. It doesn't have anything to do with being a passionate podcaster or being a passionate hair claw designer or accessories designer or having a background in art. It's usually someone who's being opportunistic and they don't know. And they're not surrounded by other people that will tell them, hey, like, I don't know if you know, but like morally this is incorrect. But also on top of that, like it might even not be legally yeah. okay yeah. either. Like people, if you're not in that world, you you're in a whole other mindset of just art and, and your relationship to it. And that's why you see people saying things like, well, I would never pay <laughs> this much money for a hair clip. And it's like, then don't. Yeah. Then don't. What's up? 
Okay, we're, we're, we're wrapping up. My little boy is getting hungry. I um, know, it's lunchtime. So uh, I have a couple of photos that um, I'm going to share from uh, your Facebook page. And, sure. Um, so this photo here, this is the mural that you painted downtown. This is pretty much whenever I met you. Um, a much, honestly, much younger, but a younger you, um, still in college. And that's, um, you don't really do murals. This murals is not like your main gig, but like that's something you contribute to. Um, and then cr cruising on. So this is a photo of you. What are you holding? Is that just some of your drawings? Yeah, it's my drawings, my sketchbook and just my phone. That's like a picture I include on all of my like thank you cards for my yeah. business that kind of make the correlation of like, I'm an influencer, but I'm also an artist and I can't be one without the other. And this is how you know me. Like, it's, nice. yeah. All right, and so here's a shot of some of your career claws that we just talked about, and there's the cursor too. The and the Acadian flag cursor. for anybody local. Yeah, the Acadian flag. I love that. We've got a whole Louisiana collection. Is coming that a brain? Out. Yeah, for all the psychologists out all there. All right. Okay, and then this is the Acadian flag one. Uh, it looks really good, and it, it, and it's a Thank good you. size too. We also have a crawfish claw. We have a bunch of Louisiana themed ones coming out soon, and we're really wanting to start doing customs and working with local brands. So if there's any other entrepreneurs listening to this, uh, we would love to work with you to get a, a custom hair claw made for your nice. your custom your customers. Yeah. All right, and then this one is you surrounded by the career claws. So I'm guessing this is some of your friends or employees holding up. Some of the career claws? Yeah, we did a photo shoot for the collection back in October, and uh, this was, like, one of my favorite pictures of them all surrounded by me. Nice. And so um, <laughs> my little boy is uh, getting antsy. All right, so um, wrapping up, you also helped start or initiate the Art Walk. Is that true? So I didn't start Art Walk, but I'm trying to help make it a little more organized and official as an event. So I'm, I'm in the talks with downtown, uh, like DDA right now, uh, about, you know, hosting an art market every month. Um, and I, I just think there's a lot to work with art walk. I think art walks a little slept on. I think people yeah. really look forward to it. And that if there was a little more, um, organization it's tricky because art walk is technically not a, uh, like, uh, it's not technically ran by downtown. It's kind of a free for all. And that's kind of where the issue lies is like, well, who's responsible? An artist right. needs someone to report to, to say like, who do I contact to vend, you know? And, and it's, it's, it's getting to be where it's almost so big that it needs to have some kind of foundational aspect of, you know, um, if, uh, that's just where I see opportunity of uh, it's, that's kind of my community project. Like, yeah. uh, so Coca dream, my business is kind of, uh, fronting the funding aspect of, uh, you know, paying for the street permit and security and stuff and, and seeing where we can go with that. And I'm not sure when the tentative launch date for our first actual like art market's going to be. We did one in December for the holiday art market, um, for like the downtown Marion bright series. And that was kind of our like tester. Um, and it, it was, it was a lot of work. So we're trying to figure out right now, like what exactly is needed to, uh, make it a more official thing and, all that fun stuff, but love it. Well, um, I know we are, we are almost in an hour and 20 minutes. So we definitely, uh, <laughs> we definitely had a conversation in yeah. the half. Um, 
But if there's anything that we didn't talk about um, that you want to mention, uh, now is the time. I know we talked about a bunch of stuff, but uh, I think I think we touched on just about everything. I know there's a couple of things that you have coming up um, for, with your business in downtown that I don't want to. Uh, I'll I'll let you. Yeah, so the, yeah. Uh, if you stay till the end of the episode, the cute little Easter egg that you're going to get is that we are opening a second storefront downtown. Um, we're going to be taking over the space that the current is at right now next to Ruckus at 313 Jefferson Street. Uh, my business, Cocodry, at 515 Jefferson Street right now currently has a section of vintage clothing. It's been doing so well that we were like, hey, why don't we just move that? to a whole other location and um, that'll give us a little more space for storage in the back and everything too and be able to have a more um, creative freedom in that spot and uh, yeah. So, so what's going to happen with Coca Dream, uh, the, the initial location, are you going to expand your, your art there? Yes, so we're going to offer more of the affordable items on that wall because our best sellers are stickers and prints okay. at that location. So we're going to have way more of them. I, I think people love coming and grabbing a bunch of little things, you know. Yeah. Um, so we're going to expand that and we're going to move all the vintage clothing over to that 313 location. And um, I'm not sure what we're going to do in the back of the house yet. I was thinking about maybe making that an art studio or something, but again, not entirely sure. I just think that it's a great location and that we're looking to expand physically. So, uh, a second storefront is the way to go. Wow. All right. Well, uh, I love the, I love the fact that the business is growing and your hair clear hair claws, your career claws are blowing up. Um, I've been following you for a while, ever since I've met you. And I've loved the journey through your, your school days, living in New York, coming back to Louisiana every once in a while, then going back. And then now you're officially back and you have a business. And I, I've loved watching all of it because um, I, I, as an artist at heart, now graphic artist, you know, I don't do full-time art. I, I guess I have mixed ways that I do art, but um, I always love to see an artist make it and actually use their talents in business in, to some degree because there's so many people that are artists that don't make it with their art and have to get stuck in a nine to five and then their art gets lost until they get close to retirement and then all of a sudden they find a newfound position of doing their art and are they they're maybe they've done good in their nine to five to where they can fund being able to spend time doing their art and it's always nice to see an artist being able to do that much earlier and live the life of being an artist. Thank you. That's my number one goal. And I kind of, I kind of hinted toward this at the beginning, but you know, I've had some low lows in my life where I had to ask myself, you know, what is worth living for? And the answer is always art. So I'm, I'm dedicated to spending my work days on art. And that is what I'll leave you with. I love it. Well, um, so before we go, I'm going to show you the uh, website. If you want to go support uh, Colette, her website is artistcolette.myshopify.com. Uh, you can also check her out on all her socials uh, in the video caption below. You can find all that good stuff. Um, are you on Facebook too? Or no? We are for Cocodry, Cocodry by Colette. And thank you for having me, Ben. I love your work and you've got something great here. So thank I appreciate you so much. that. I'm trying my best to... Uh, do the thing, you know, it's, it's an art in its own way. And, just gotta uh, keep pushing. Yeah. Just keep pushing. 
All right. Well, that is it, uh, Colette. Again, thank you for taking the time. And I do apologize if uh, my little boy sometimes uh, <laughs> no. caused a ruckus, but it's, it is what it is with having kids. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I look forward to seeing more from you and to see how your business grows and progresses and see what you do downtown. Uh, love the journey. And yeah, um, good luck with that and have a great weekend. Thank you. You too. All right, guys, that is it. And we'll see you on the next one.